So Ephesians chapter 3, if you're there, say amen. So this is talking about the church, because the name of the series is Why Church, which could have a whole lot of meaning to it. Why, why did God create the church? Uh, in Acts chapter 2, why, why do we go to church? What do we do at church? What, what is this all about? Do I have to go to church? Um, a lot of things. And we're just going to see. So I wrote 19 pages for this series, and I've only made it through one. In today's sermon three. Don't worry. Some of y'all get, oh, God, we're going to, this series is going to last the next summer. No, I don't know. I'm just really, I've been saying, God, please do what you want in a service. Please speak whatever you want. And who knows, I may make it, last week I made it through that much of my notes. And so I just want God to speak today. How many wants that? Amen. Pastor Christy, you flag me when time's up, all right? So Ephesians chapter 3, check this out. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this is the Apostle Paul, who, a brilliant man, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, you know, was written by the Apostle Paul, by the way, who was a murderer of Christians. So never think you've done something too wrong that God can't forgive you. A murderer dragged people out of their homes, born again, and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Oh, God is good. Come on. Paul had an understanding of grace that I need a greater understanding of. So he says, I'm the least of all the saints. That is not a false humility. That is a real humility. This grace was given, what? To preach to the Gentiles, not this to the Jews. Thank goodness we are Gentiles, most of us in this room. The unsearchable, unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9 goes on to say, and to bring light for everyone. So that means some folks are in darkness. Even the church can be in darkness, believe it or not. For everyone, what is the plan of the mystery? He calls the church, we're talking about wine church, he calls the church a mystery. I don't want you to miss that. The mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the, how many knows the church is not a building? We have 300 churches in Tuscaloosa. Buildings. Bodies. No, we and you are the church. And if you're not already, you can be at the end of the service. Because it's a great part to be a part of the church. Amen. It's an awesome thing. It's better than being part of any other club our community, then the church is not a club. That's not what I'm saying. Any other community of people. So that through, so that tells me through who? Through me, through you, through the church, the manifold, which means many-sided, which means God is not unidirectional. He's omnidirectional in who he is. You can't figure God out. His ways and his thoughts, Isaiah 58, are higher than ours. That through the church, the, the manifold or the many-sided wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And you heard me say last week, does hell know who you are? Does hell know who you are? I pray that hell knows who you are. Heaven knows who you are. But if hell is not afraid of you and doesn't know who you are, and if you haven't been through some stuff, I was telling Pastor Eddie, man, these last seven years, I, I believe, have been attesting for a lot of people in this room. And I absolutely feel like it's eating time. It's eating time. It's fruit time. I believe many of you made it through the storm. And I believe hell knows who you are because you grabbed the horns of the altar in difficult times. 
doesn't mean you didn't make mistakes. Anybody made mistakes? Anybody sinned at times? Yeah, I have, even my unbelief. But it says the reason for the church is that principalities will know the church and that God and all that he is in the mystery of the church, that he will be glorified through the church. You know, we are Christ in the earth. We have the Holy Spirit. Jesus left the Holy Spirit. We are now, according to 1 John, Christ in the earth. And I tell you what, I think hell hates this church. And I'm glad about it. You know why? Because I'm not fearful saying that. No weapon formed against you or me is going to prosper. We've already won. Not going to win. We've already won the victory. We operate from a position of victory, not defeat. Not defeat. We operate from a position of victory in everything. If hell is on your teenager, you have the victory to say, hell, take your hands off my son or daughter. When you know what belongs to you, hell can't take it. When, when you know that your marriage is yours in God, hell can't cause a divorce. Come on, amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Show us who you are and who we are in the church. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Uh, I'm going to do something really weird because it came to me um, in, in the middle of praise and worship. Uh, and I just, I, lately I just saying, God, interrupt whatever you want to interrupt. And I am... I know that you that are now left in our church know my heart in doing this. I want to, if we have it, a picture of me on the screen. And in praise and worship, God spoke to me something. And I thank God for my physical transformation. Christy and I together have lost 100 pounds plus. And I thank God for that. And, but I was in the middle of praise and worship when the Lord put this in my heart, put a picture up of you and Christy on the screen in your weight loss transformation. And I said, really? And he said, here's why. And I texted Shan. I said, find a picture of Christy and I on our weight loss. He says, because I want you to get an image. On the left is Daystar past. On the right is Daystar now. And he said, I had to do it in you even in the physical. Because a revival that's coming, you would not be able to handle it physically. Because you have to be able to handle revival physically. What if we, revival broke out and we had church every night and you still got to work your job? Are you in physical shape? But also he said to me more than anything, that is a spiritual image of what I'm doing in this house. I'm cutting the fat. And then he said this to me. I, I did this first in you, Scott, for you to realize, this is what he said to me, that all things are possible. Because if you would have told me at 45, I'm 48 now, at 45 years old, that I was able to do that as much as I love food and everything else of a life that's very stressful as a pastor, I, I would not have placed any bets on myself. I remember the day at the end of a driveway when I was crying and I said, I can't do it. Holy Spirit, please help me. And he said to me down there, he said, I needed you to first realize that anything is possible. And can I tell somebody as we go into this word, if I could do that, because I was having an affair with little Debbie every other day. Anybody know little Debbie? She is from hell. She will talk to you from the pantry. Oh, yes, she will. You'll hear her voice when everybody's gone to sleep and you have to sneak. 
Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm talking about. Come here, big boy. <laughs> Those little swirl things. Help me, Jesus. Thank God this has changed. Because until this gets changed, you'll lose the weight, but you'll gain it back. And so I want you to know this morning, there are endless possibilities in God. That when he said, with me, all things are possible, it wasn't some motivational speech by some motivational speaker trying to make you feel good. We can go to those conferences. There's nothing wrong with some of those things. There's nothing wrong with being motivated by a motivational speaker. But I tell you what, we need to make sure the first speaker we're listening to is God. And if you want to hear from God's mouth, all you have to do is open his mouth. This text message is more important than any other text message you will ever get in your life. And I want to tell somebody today, no matter how impossible, because somebody's walking through something that seems there is no way. I'm telling you, I would have told you in January 2016, I, I, you know, I, I would have may have acted a certain way in front of you. and I may have been faith in it a whole lot. But if I had been honest, I would say there's no way I could do this without God's help. I need the Holy Spirit to help me because I have a romance with food. This thing has a hold of me, and I find comfort in it when I'm stressed out. But I know it's not the right refuge. So whatever you're facing today, if you're facing something that seems impossible, just raise your hand right now that's already in your heart. I just say to you, with God, the keys is with God. Don't leave that part of the scripture out. With God, all things are possible to him who believes that doesn't mean you got to have goosebumps because on January the 29th after I got out of the hospital I didn't have goosebumps I spoke by faith I can do all things through Christ sometimes you got to say yes to something before you figure it out I'm going to say that one more time. Sometimes you need to say yes to something before you figure out how to do it. Because the longer you try to figure it out before you say yes, you'll talk yourself out of it. But when you say yes to something before you even figure it out, it keeps you accountable. Because it's really hard to say, I'm going to do something and back out of it. Y'all have gotten quiet on me. Y'all like, oh, Jesus, baby, what are we eating after? What are we eating for church? And no, that's not what I'm preaching. I'm here to tell you anything is possible with God. If you have a lost son or a daughter, husband, wife, family member that seems crazy as ever, it's impossible. A situation financially in your life, I want to tell you that with God, in a moment's time, one touch from God can change everything. One touch from God. When God speaks, his word is forever settled in heaven. All things are possible.
in your life. Why do I tell you this, even going into this? He put that in my heart this morning, standing down there, is that we are his church. We are the greatest organism ever. We are a living, breathing organism. The church is alive. I'm not worried about any other church. I have enough to deal with right here. And right here. Than to worry about what other folks are doing. So even as I share this series and ever how far we get today, I'm not a church basher because Christ died and loves the church. He even told husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. So there must be this high, high, high level that God feels about us. About you. About what we even do on what we call the church. Because I don't know about this whole thing of where do you go to church? Because they didn't talk like that in the New Testament. Paul didn't ask Peter, where are you going to church this Sunday? Well, I left this one because they didn't have a good program. They went to temple, but they were the church. You are the church. And hell is afraid of somebody who knows who they are. Hell is afraid when you awaken and you get intrinsic motivation inside of you that says, I'm going to be all that God has created me to be. I am the church. That's not an arrogance. That's not a, even a confidence. It's a Godfidence. It is the God, the he in me is what I say, the he inside of me. And when you realize the he in you, even though you walk through storms, you'll face things differently. You will always be in a position of victory and not from defending or defeat. You will live life knowing that the impossible is able to happen every day. I don't know any of y'all that have kids, but you got to know that. You got to live that all things are possible. Because you'll wake up one day and your child's done done something crazy. Why? Not because they hate God because everything in the world is out there offering itself to them. I just want to say, according to that picture that was up there, this house is getting stronger and healthier than ever before. That's why I'm going to say this, and it may sound really arrogant. This is such a great church. Because Jesus is here, and there's great people in this place. Amen? Yeah. Come on. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. There is greatness inside of you because the greater one is in you. Oh, never forget that. Don't worship yourself. Romans 1, don't worship the creature, worship the creator. Because the world right now and even the church is worshiping the creature. Know that everything you do is because of him. Like the apostle said, apart from him, I can do, I mean, nothing. I, I was doing something this week and that, again, was, seemed impossible for me. And I, w I took a day and, and in between appointments and things, and I just remember praying to God, I need your help to do this. 
I need your help to do this. Every dad loves to be asked for help. We were singing a few minutes ago, he has done great things. That's a song I used to sing as a kid. Anybody else? That's how old that song is. He has done great things. And I was standing down there, and the Lord again spoke to me and said, I have done great things, Scott, so that you can do greater things. That's what he said to me standing there. He was talking a whole bunch down there. I don't know. I was plugged in or something. He said, understand, because they were representing, he has done great things. And, and he was saying, yes, yes, I have. Thank you for giving me glory. But understand, I did great things so that you can do greater things. Jesus said, I have to go away. And it's to your advantage that I leave and that the Holy Spirit comes so that you will do the works that I have done, greater works. So don't you think it's a trap of the enemy to deceive the church? If we have been called to do not only the works of God, of Christ in our life, but even greater works, don't you think all the enemy has to do is get the church deceived? Come on, talk to me. Yeah, it's that simple. If you notice that Satan knew he couldn't defeat God, Daddy, Father, he went after the Son. That's usually what he happens in, in godly families. That's why fathers and mothers have church at home. Because if he can't get the Father, he'll try to get the Son. He knew he couldn't get God, he went after Jesus. And last time I checked, we are now the sons, the weos of God. No longer orphans, but we are sons of God. So, so the attack is against the sons of God, against the church from, from operating in what God has prescribed to be the church so that his glory will fill the earth. I left you with this statement last week when I ended, and it's this. In all honesty, we have trained you, and I'm speaking from a leadership standpoint, we, pastors, leaders, have trained the church to become addicted to lesser things concerning church. We have cheapened something that is sacred, that's powerful, called the church. We have focused on the wrong things. We have made the main thing the lesser thing. And we haven't kept the main one, really, Jesus, the center of it all. I, I've been wrestling with this series. I've even told Pastor Christie, I said, I, I don't know. I hope this is all making sense. Because many times before you realize who you are, you got to know who you're not. And that's why I'm kind of unraveling things in an expose type way. Because if you are a little bit of this and a little bit of that, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde Church. And according to James, that is nothing more than double-mindedness. And the Bible says in James that a double-minded person is unstable in all 
And he goes on to say that a double-minded person, a church that is Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, a church that one minute is a believer, the next minute they're cussing somebody out for pulling out in front of them. Come on, somebody. And living in sin and using grace as a license to do what they want, that not only will they be unstable in all their ways, but the Bible says, don't even dare think that your prayers will be answered. And this is why people are getting mad at God. He doesn't hear me. He's not hearing my prayers. You need to see if you have two brains. Come on, son. I'm talking to us. Is that all right? This is not in my notes, but we're going to go with it. We need to see if we're double-minded, that if we have two minds, one mind operates on Sundays and Wednesdays and kind of when I need God, but this mind operates when I want what I want. Come on, right? I apologize, and you're going to hear maybe something more on this today, on my behalf, not because I intentionally would ever mislead God's people, but like this says, we have trained the church to be addicted to the wrong stuff. Have you heard the latest sermon series by so-and-so? Have you heard this new song by so-and-so? Have you heard? That's all great, and you really have to understand pastor's heart when I'm preaching this teaching it but when was the last time I just heard somebody talking about Jesus have you heard about Jesus not T.D. Jakes not Joyce Meyer not Scott Schatzline have you heard about him the one who opens sight to the blind the one who can give your hearing back spiritually and physically. The one that can heal your hurt and your pain from the rejection, the abuse that you've walked through. We have focused on the lesser things. Imagine if you walked into Texas Roadhouse today and you ordered a steak. And you were looking forward to this Texas Roadhouse. I'm going to give me a steak, man. This is what I want. You walk into Texas Roadhouse and you order a steak. And all of a sudden, a few minutes later, the waiter or waitress comes back and brings you a plate of spaghetti. You would say, wait a minute. This is not what I ordered. That I, I miscommunicate somewhere? And the, and the waiter says, I know what you ordered, but I think you'll like this better. I, I know what you ordered in your order and what you want. But, you know, I was thinking about it. I really think you will like this much better than what you want. I think we've done that with God. God gave us his order for the church right here in Scripture. And yet somehow in the last 30 years, we begin to think we're smarter than God. We begin to think, I know, God, you want this, but we want to really reach this, this, and that. I think we try to overthink God. We're, we're too big for our British church. 
I, I don't mean to be ugly. And, and God ordered a steak, and we bring in him spaghetti because we think, well, this is what he would want, right? Because this is going to help us reach more people. And it's almost like we're here to tell God, you know, this week, and I, I don't want to go to here, but you remember when they made the golden calf? Moses was up on the mountain getting the commandments of God, Old Testament. And while he was gone, the people said, we are sick of waiting on God, Moses. And they gathered all the gold, all the earrings from the people, and there's so much here. And they created a golden calf, and they moved from worshiping Yahweh to a golden calf. And they actually called it Lord, and it's the same word as Lord God. They made the calf God. And this week, again, God reminded me. First of all, why did they do that? Because they wanted to make God how they want him. They were tired of saying, I don't want to be in his image. I want God to be in my image. How, how I view God. Because if everybody worships what I think is God, and we all get on the same page, that's good, right? And God was furious at the people of God. And that can only happen when you have a weak leader like Aaron. Because when you have a pastor that obeys people and not God, you're in trouble. When you have a pastor that cares more about the church being full than about the presence of God being in the people, you're in big trouble. When you have a pastor that wants to appease people and not please God, you're in trouble. Never go to a church where a pastor is more about pleasing people than God. Can I get a big amen? I'm not there yet. I want to be there. I'm trying to be there right now. That this house, God is going to be pleased. Because it's so messed up. If he's pleased, if dad is happy, everybody's happy. We've created God in our image. You know, I know the Bible says this, but this is how I want him to look. Is this making sense to anybody? Just like that, that analogy of, of, of a restaurant, God has given us his order, his divine order. He wasn't looking for my suggestions. He's not democratic. In other words, he's not going to take my vote. Scott, how do you feel about this before I do it? I need some amens, or I ain't never letting y'all out till 6 o'clock tonight. I'm telling you right now. God doesn't want my opinion on what already is absolute. Period. Period. Poo. Destiny always said, period, poo. Dot. He, he doesn't. I dare not think and overestimate my opinion. God doesn't need my opinion. His word is absolute truth. And he has ordered a steak, and we're over here eating and serving peanut butter and jelly because we have reasoned in our mind, well, we're in America, a new time. We need to give people what they want. When did it switch from being God's way to our way? When did, am I getting too hard? When, when did it switch from wanting to please God and, and instead, man-made religion. In 
our arrogance. I said our. In our arrogance over the last 30 years, we have altered God's order. We may have still given him, him the side of broccoli that he wants, but the main dish we have changed. We have a form of broccoli, a form of godliness. We, we serve on the plate a little bit enough that it looks like God. But without the protein, without the thing that we need to have muscles, protein in the church of what he ordered, we have turned that pasta into sugar with sugar-coated preaching. Sugar-coated man's ways. I want a steak. I want what God wants. He don't have to cook it my way even. I want it served. I want his order. I, I, I thank God for this right here. And I got to really qualify this because I can be really taken out of context if people take sound bites from this sermon. This is our order of service for Daystar. See this? God wants you to organize and not agonize. There's nothing wrong with structure. But this thing right here is subject, not only on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. In my life, my order of life, it is subject to change. If he, if he wants to change the order, the man's mind plans his ways, Proverbs 16, 9. Man's mind plans his ways, but God directs his steps. He wants us to do this, but I tell you what, he doesn't want us to do it so much that he has to show up in the two minutes that we let him. And I'm going to say a strong word, because God won't be pimped. God will not be used. He won't be mocked. I thank God for Daniel putting this together. This is for our humanity. Because I've been in four-hour services where God wasn't there. So that's not what Pastor Scott's saying. God could do more in 10 minutes than man could ever do in hours. But until we know who we're not, we won't know who we are. And I'm going to tell you what, we are not spaghetti. We want God's order. We don't want you to get addicted to sugar. Man's ways. In our arrogance, we have created something we think that works better than what God said to do. Have you ever bought somebody a gift that you thought they would like but you never ask them what they want and they kind of didn't like it because you bought them what you wanted? That's some good preaching, brother. I'm telling you right now, I'm liking that. You Go ahead. Come on, pre preach that thing. I'm talking to me too. I, I, have you ever bought your wife or spouse or somebody a gift that you, that you really didn't think Honestly, you bought what you would think you would want that they would want, and you end up, you never stop to say, what do you want?
Rather than diligently studying God's word, which we're away from right now, discipleship, rather than taking the time, we listen to the preacher on Sunday and that's it. And rather than taking the time to study his order, his commands, exactly what he ordered or asked for, we've been influenced by other things. Or we think we know better. Even in Christy and I's health coaching, we're very successful, probably 90-something percent successful rate in helping people get their, their physical health back and mental health. And, and, but it's amazing. There'll be that 5 or 6% that thinks they know more than we do. Yet they called me their coach. And, and I'm like, and it's not even just coaching. That's pastoring. They they. I want you to coach me. Are you sure? I always ask, do you want me to coach you at a high level? Do you want me to pastor you at a high level? That means I'm going to get up in your business. But you got to give me permission to get in your business. But it's amazing how some folks won't last on our health plan because they, they will, two or three, you, you know, the scale doesn't lie. What, what's going on? I know this works. You, you know, tell me what you're doing. Go through your day. Well, and I decided to, and I decided. Okay, hang on. You do understand that Brussels sprouts are not on the plan. They're the highest in carbs. I don't want you to eat Brussels sprouts. I want you to eat asparagus and all these kind of things. Yeah, I just thought, that's your problem. You think you know more than your coach. You think you know more than your pastor or leader. And I will go through this person, and three days later, they're doing it again. And they're, a modified plan brings modified results. When we modify God's plan, the church will get modified results. When we say, God, I know this is what, but I've been really studying. This is what's happening with my younger generation in their 20s. They think they know more than God theologically. They, they think they know more than God. They're filled with pride. They're nothing more than modern-day Pharisees, many. Because they think they know what God wants, and they haven't really stopped to ask him, which is through the Holy Spirit. Is it our order of service or his? Jordan, you're hiding the clock back there behind your big, beautiful head. Is that the Lord saying, don't worry about the time? No. Good looking thing, you. You got me on a timer? Mm-hmm. When it comes to church, we think about what we want many times. We do. We think about what others want. In the spirit of Cain, we bring an offering that we think God should accept. And he's not accepting Cain's offering. He's accepting Abel's because that's what he asked for. 
I, I love studying physical things in, in the natural for the body of Christ and, and at Barna research and all these things and the, the Pew research and things like that as a pastor because I, I believe that's important to a certain degree. And I know that since I've been alive and I was born again at a young age and been in church my whole life, my dad a pastor, now I've been pastoring for 30-something years, and, and church attendance is doing this. Millennials are leaving the church. Big time. College students and millennials, for many reasons. I think the most important reason, we think we know why they're leaving, and I, re I get sent all these emails, why are, e why are millennials leaving the church? And I read all the same stuff, and it's all physical stuff, and they don't get it. The number one reason why they're leaving is God's not in the building. Because if God is in the building, I don't care what age you are. Church attendance. I mean, people now come one every four Sundays. And because the church remains silent, there's now soccer games, football, gymnastics, all these events on Sunday. But 20 years ago, they would have never, never, even on Wednesday, teachers didn't give you homework on Wednesdays. There was at least some sacredness. Am I telling the truth? Church should be top priority of, of coming to temple, coming to church on Sundays. Come on, amen. My dad never asked me if I felt like it. I mean, it would have been really weird if my dad asked, are we going to church? Like, there's no such a question in our house. It's kind of like, like the word divorce. What? That word is not used in our house. Are we going to church tomorrow? Well, I'm sick, Dad. Were you going to get healed at church? I mean, some of y'all may call that old line mean. No, it's right on. We have went so far away from that, and we blamed it and called it religion and called it this and that, so much that our own brain has fallen out. No, some folks need to be told, get your tail out of bed. You are going to church. Whether you want to or not, hopefully the Holy Ghost will hit you strong enough where you get him. Because I don't take a vote with kids in my house. They're all grown now, but I didn't take a vote. Now, again, we're going to, I know, some, mm, but what if the flu's going around? Uh, stop it. Don't bring your children to church with the flu. Keep your flu self at home. Watch. But are you watching online or do you just come to church to get it over with? Come on, somebody. Jordan, what time is it? These folks are ready to go. Okay. So it's not surprising. How much I got? Four minutes till your timer goes off. So listen to this statement. Here's in my notes. So it's not surprising to see well-intentioned pastors. Well-intentioned. I love pastors. I am not shepherd bashing. If you, pastors go through a lot, y'all. Especially in the diverse church. I just made it through the election barely. Because <laughs> I know I got some of y'all Democrats, some of y'all Republicans, some of y'all independent. Some of you don't care. But last time I checked, 
Jesus was not a donkey or an elephant. He was a lamb. And if this church can have all that in it, because y'all wouldn't believe the stuff I hear and get told why people leave and it's foolishness. But we created it the last 20 years. We. We created a church for you and not for him. And if you don't like the ice cream, you go somewhere else. But this is not Baskin Robbins. This is not 52 flavors. This is one flavor, God's flavor. It's, it's what, to the best of my ability as a pastor, it's what he wants. I'll answer to him, and actually the Bible says, guess what? I get doubly judged more than you. The Bible says a pastor will be doubly judged. That is a frightful thing. That's why I better preach the word of God in here. So it's not surprising that well-intentioned pastors, they were trying to make church more popular. We have to make a church attractional, especially for the younger generation. <laughs> Us older, we think we know what the younger generation wants, more lights and fog machines, right? No, they really don't. I thank God for this media upgrade that's about to happen. But Jesus, th that is not Jesus. He makes our sight, our five senses are affected by what we see, smell, and all that. That's great. We are moved by the atmosphere and the fleshly things. But, but if it's not moving us toward Jesus, if he's not in the room, if we're moved to worship man or the worship team or the gospel artist, something is wrong. I heard people call Kobe Bryant a God two or three times this week. God bless Kobe Bryant. I've been praying for Vanessa. I've been praying for the family. But he is not a God. He stood before God. And I'm glad I heard he went to church right before the helicopter crash that very morning. And took his daughter, Gigi, with him. God is good. I know I got to stop. Yes, God. Is that a timer? Like, is everybody timing me in this room or what? What is going on here? Stand with me. All right. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right now. Y'all are a mess. Y'all thinking about them wings y'all going to be eating already. So I don't know what point I made today, except for this. If God orders a steak, let's bring him what he ordered. Let's give what God wants on a Sunday. Let's not make church soulish. And let's not come to church for the soulish realm. Just the, uh, if it makes me happy and pleases my mind, will, and emotions, but my spirit, man. Because sometimes you need to hear the word of God in truth that will change you. Even today in this message, maybe you've lived and viewed God the way you want him, the golden calf example. But you're being deceived. Because when God is God, he will change your life. He will renew you. He will heal you. He will be your God. Just like that wonderful letter that that young boy handed me. 
Pastor, I don't know who this is for. This is for somebody. God gave us his letter. This book is alive. Because how, how do we know that we're going to give God's order? Scripture. We got to get back to Scripture. This is how we know God's order. Not what I want. I get invited to so many church conferences about church growth. Here's how you grow your church. I get emails galore every day from all these people I can name. How to grow your church. Here are the 10 things to tell if your church is dying. Here, here are 10 things to grow your church, Pastor. I get email after email. And, and I'm going to tell you most of them are wrong. None of them talk about we need to make sure Jesus is glorified in the church. I can serve you donuts, coffee, healthy donuts. We can have perfect music, even though we have Greg on the keyboard. We can make it all perfect, no wrong notes, everything. But unless, if he's not in the room, not only this room, but this room. And I want Jesus at my house. I need Jesus in my living room. Come on, somebody. I need him in my marriage. I need him in my kids. I need, I want his order. Jesus, I even said all this week, God, please, even this morning I was very fearful. I was like, God, what do you want? He didn't answer me. He said, just obey me. So I don't know about y'all. I want to be his house. The tabernacle by which he dwells inside this tabernacle, Jesus. So that when he comes in, all my problems, all my weaknesses, addictions, they got to go. Because I and you, we have the victory today. Come on, amen. So today is about God, have your way. Would you just begin to say that? Lord, have your way in my life. Don't wait for a prayer right now. We're going to get out in just a minute. Say, God, do what you want to do in me. Come on, I'm going to tell you these are the prayers I pray at home. God, do whatever you want to do in Scott. Change me. Work in me, Holy Spirit. God, forgive me for making it about me. I know it's about me ultimately. <laughs> But I first have to make it about you for it to be made about me. And it is you, oh God. Jesus. Some of you need to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life today. Ask him into your life. If you've been living in sin, I want you to say, God, forgive me and be the Lord of my life today. Take over my life. Take over my marriage. Some of you need a miracle in your marriage. I thank God for counseling, but you need Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your marriage. Father, forgive us. Forgive the church, forgive Scott for making it about a consumeristic mindset. Be pleased, oh God, with our worship. Even when I have a headache, I'll worship you the best I can. Be pleased, oh God, with the word. Be magnified, oh God, in our life. Be glorified through my kids and my family and my Even when I'm on my job this week, be glorified. Help me, Holy Spirit, to walk after you every day that I live. And I thank you, Lord, for that. I thank you for your touch right now. I thank you for filling every person here and everybody online with your presence, oh God. Right now, in Jesus' name.